Last week we talked about being faithful to God. The Bible says that God is faithful to us. It's a characteristic about the Father that cannot be overlooked, it cannot be changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If you believe that, say yes. It's a characteristic of Him. He was faithful, He is faithful, He always will be faithful. Nothing about Him or His character will ever change the fact that God is faithful to deliver you, He's faithful to save you, He's faithful to heal you, He is faithful to fill you with the Holy Ghost, faithful to raise you up, faithful to give to you, faithful to love you, faithful to forgive you, faithful to hear when you cry, faithful to answer your prayer, faithful to speak the word in season, faithful to encourage, faithful to God, faithful to move, and faithful to surround you with his presence. Glory to God. Listen, God is faithful, but the issue is how do you judge God? Sarah received and bore a child when she was not able to have children because she judged God faithful. She believed that God, the one who promised, was going to come through. And God is faithful. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Look at what it says. God is what? Faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Saints, you have got to get to the place where you believe the promises of God are more real than anything you see, touch, smell, hear, any of the five senses. You've got to believe the word of God more than you believe your senses. All right. Now, I, you know, I know that kind of sounded funny, you know, but but it's true. We have those five senses. And listen to me. I have a lot of people tell me, well, pastor, when I see it, I'll believe it. Listen to me. You're never going to believe it. Remember Thomas? The Bible says that when Jesus appeared, he said, Thomas, come stick your finger in the, in the holes of my hands. Put your hand in my side. He said, Thomas, uh, Thomas, as soon as he did, he said, I believe. Because Thomas had made the declaration to his friends. He said, unless I see him and touch him, I will not believe. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen, you believe, but blessed. Everybody say blessed. Amen. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things, what? Not seen. All right? It's the things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, Sarah didn't, she didn't have a child and then believe God. She believed God, then became impregnated by her husband and had a child when it was supposed to be uh, beyond the years or what we would say impossible to have a child. But she judged God faithful. And so notice this. In the Greek, the word faithful literally means to trust. It means pertaining to. It means being trusted trusted, faithful, trustworthy, dependable, reliable. Those are all terms that describe who God is. They all describe him. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is dependable. He is reliable. Listen, there are some things in life that are going to happen. People are going to let you down. A spouse may let you down. A child may let you down. Your best friend may let you down. Your boss may let you down. But I want you to know something right now. God never abandons his people. He never lets us down. And it's, it's something that we have got to come uh, to grips with and believe. The Bible says that Sarah believed that. It's interesting when we read that. She received strength 
to conceive because she believed that God was faithful. She judged him that way before it ever happened. You remember when it first came to her? Some of you might not remember this because you maybe you not read this in the Bible, but the story of Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. And when they came on the plane and the three angels came on the plane, they said, this time next year, your wife is going to have a son. Sarah laughed in disbelief. How many of y'all remember reading that? If you do say yes. All right. Uh, now listen, she laughed in unbelief, but somewhere, remember even the, the angel confronted her and said, why did you laugh? Or, or you laughed. That's what he said. You laughed. She said, no, I didn't. Isn't that always our first response? That's your first response. How many of y'all have kids? If you have kids, say yes. Isn't that always their first response when you try to pin them down? And then you got to get them to come around and admit that they did it. Once she admitted and got over that, un being unfaithful toward God, listen, then she was able to move forward and judge God as being faithful. I want you to know something right now. Our God will not let you down. He's going to come through for you. So the question is, what is being faithful? For us, faithfulness is not just showing up or being a part. We have this feeling in life. Now listen to me close. That if someone shows up, it makes them faithful. Listen, that's only partly true. Yes, it is true that they're faithful to show up. But in the kingdom of God, faithfulness is defined by you being obedient to the master's will. And those of you who are not being obedient, and I'm in that crowd, if there are times in my life when I'm not being obedient to what God's telling me to do, listen to me, that is considered being unfaithful. Do we consider a spouse who, who, uh, who starts uh, having an affair with another spouse? What do we call that? We call that being what? Unfaithful. Why? Because they're required to be faithful to the one. But instead, their heart is swayed and moved toward another. And therefore, we call them, we say, man, they were unfaithful to their spouse. That's the same way it is with God. Listen to me. You want to be counted faithful by God? What did he say to those people in the book of Luke? The one who had five and gained five more, he gave 10. What did he say? Well done thy what? Good and faithful servant. A servant does the will of the master. He does not do his own will. Okay, now it's gotten quiet. People don't like this part, but it's just the way it is. You're going to have to do the will of God. Everybody say, I will. Do the will of God. That's the only way you can be judged faithful, saints. It's the only way it works. You have to do the will of the one whom you serve. That's what faithfulness is judged on. So for us, faithfulness is not just showing up and being a part. In order to be faithful, one must realize that they are a servant, all right, and not a volunteer. This is why I tell people all the time. I have all you Tennessee fans tell me, man, heaven's going to be full of volunteers. No, it's not. God was not a volunteer. Jesus was not a volunteer. He was a faithful son. There's a big difference. Can you say amen? Did he not pray for, for, for that will of God to, be, to not come to pass? Yeah, he prayed. He asked the Lord, he said, Lord, listen, if it be possible. But then he said, not what? My will, but thy will be done. And so it's important that we understand that. So today we're talking about being faithful to our family. Faithful to our family, which means more than just showing up and more than just having a title of father or mother or child. It means you give up your will to serve one another and to serve God. 
All right. Listen, family life has been has been it's been changed over the recent decades. How many of y'all would agree with that? Those of you who've been around a while, you understand what I'm talking about. It was not long ago that TV showed families such as the Cleavers. How many of y'all remember the Cleaver family? Wasn't that the, was that Leave it to Beaver? Yeah, Leave it to Beaver. The Cleaver family, man. I mean, was not everything perfect? I mean, do they show it, you know? Dad had his suit. He was all looking pristine all the time. Mom had her dress on. I mean, even while she's cleaning the house. I mean, it was like, come on, there was nothing out of place. I don't know what house they lived in, but it wasn't nothing like the house I was living in. Maybe it's just me, all right? But I'm just telling you. The Cleavers, the Waltons, Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> I hated that show. All right, so anyway. <laughs> I'm just telling it like it is. Hallelujah. These were normal families for those times. And during the 70s, we saw on TV families such as the Brady Bunch. How many of y'all remember that crowd? It's a story of a man named Brady. All right, anyway, here we go. Uh, and then how about the Partridge family? And then how about eight is enough? Families where the kids, now listen, kids had more freedom. And, and, they, and we began to see the advent of families with one parent. And now you turn on the TV today and what kind of families do we have? We have the Simpsons. God help us. We have the family guy. Oh, help me, Jesus. We, I know some of y'all like those shows, all right? So I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, if that's what the American family has come to, we need Jesus right away, all right? Listen, Murphy Brown, blackish, and, and modern family. Families where you find very little discipline, very little respect, and a lot different than the average American family that we, that some of us grew up with years ago. And while families have changed, there's a sense in which they haven't changed. What? Yeah, that's right. Because problems remain the same. They remain the same and have been magnified because of the collapse of the American family and magnified because of the change in society, the change of values, the change of family values. They've changed because of divorce. While the culture is changing, we see some, some of the same moral families that were in biblical times, uh, they do the same things that families today do. Let me ask you a question. Was David, he was, a, he was the king of Israel, but wasn't he up on the rooftop when he saw Bathsheba? And rather than taking his thoughts captive and going back down from the roof, what did he do? He stood there, he watched, his gaze was set on Bathsheba until he could not do anything until he had her. Unfaithful to his family. Question, did it wreak long-term problems? Yes. All right? So it's important that we understand that things have changed and some things haven't. So let me give you four traits today, four traits to stay faithful to family. Four traits, all right? Number one, number one, look long term. This is an important lesson that we can learn for our family. We need to look long term in our own lives in regard really to two things. The first one is negative consequences. We all need to look long-term at the negative consequences of what our actions are about to bring. 
We need to realize that many times our actions have consequences far beyond ourselves. We are always looking at self. Remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is what? Already white unto harvest. He had to tell them to lift up their eyes. Why? Because their eyes were on self. And a lot of times when we're involved in sin and we start, we start getting involved in things that we don't want to get involved in, we only are looking at self. And listen, we are convinced that nobody else knows it's going on. See, Satan tempts us with such words as no one will ever know or it won't affect anybody else or it's my life, it's my body, I can do whatever I want to with it. And the answer to all those things is no, you can't without long-term consequence. Divorce, adultery, abortion, disobedience, sin, they still wreak havoc on today's family for, for a longer term than we think. Did you know that in the Old Testament, and we're not going to go there today for lack of time, but in the Old Testament, God either punished the children or rewarded the children based on sin or obedience of the parents up to the fourth generation. How many of y'all believe that's long term? I mean, you look at David. Look at the havoc that went on in David's life. Absalom was his oldest son. What happened with Absalom? He committed treason. He had another son who fell in love with his sister, raped his sister. Are y'all listening to me? Listen to me. Do you remember in Genesis when God approached Cain and he said, Cain, he said, why has your countenance fallen? And he said, where's your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? And then what did the Lord say? He said, sin is what? Crouched at your door. Now you listen to me. When you open that door, you're opening that door not to a short-term venture, but to a long-term trek. Now saints, we got to start thinking about these things and thinking long-term. Your family may not be where you would like to see them, but have patience. Continue to strive every day to develop your family. Realize that it may take several years to bring family members back into God's will, but keep on praying and keep on believing. Can you say amen? amen. Hebrews six twelve. listen to this. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through what? Faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Moms and dads, you keep praying. Pray together, pray separately, pray together, pray separately, pray together, pray with the kids. You want to keep your family together? You got to think long-term. Keep your eyes on the prize. Also thinking long-term, what about positive developments? We have negative consequences, but what about positive developments? Your family may not be where you'd like to see them, but have patience. Continue to strive every day to develop your family. Realize that it may take several years, it may take events going on to bring family back in to the will of God, but stay focused on prayer. Listen to Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our, of our faith or our hope without wavering. Everybody say without wavering. In other words, don't fluctuate. Don't be in today and out tomorrow. Stay fast. Remember, we've been talking about this on Wednesday nights. We talked about how it says, quench not the spirit, despise not prophecy, prove all things, and then hold fast. Saints, I want you to know something. When you refuse to, to extinguish the move of the spirit in your life or what God's revealing to you in your life, be 
because you, you don't despise what he's doing and, and then you, you, you actually search it out and find out that it's real, it's been proven, tested, it's the word of God, listen, then you can hold on to it and know that God's gonna come through for you. Just like Sarah did. Just like Sarah. Your son or your daughter may only be two, two years old, but establishing the proper authority in the household now greatly affects him or her in their teenage years. Your child may only be four, but, ha- but how you as a husband and you as a wife relate to one another goes a long way in determining the strength of your child's marriage down the road and how they will relate to their spouse. And your child may be 16 now. Marriage may still seem like it's a long way off, but who and how they date now will affect who they will marry in eight to 10 years. Mom and dad, you gotta get involved if you want positive consequences. Can you say amen? Realize that we can and do have both positive as well as negative long-term effects on our family based upon what we believe and what we do. Let me give you the second trait. Number two, be faithful regardless of your family situation. Be faithful. I mean, I don't care. You might be the only one in your house serving God. I know there's been ladies in this church, their husband wouldn't come, wouldn't be a part of what's going on. But I want you to know they've been as faithful as a day is long, praying consistently for that husband because the husband wouldn't come, the kids wouldn't come. They prayed consistently and down the road, things began to come around. Why? Because they stayed faithful to God. But listen to me, if no one in your family ever serves God, you serve God with all your heart. You're the only hope they have. You know, I think of this young man that came and got himself baptized a couple of weeks ago. He's from he's from Muslim background, lives in, in the Middle East. And he came to me and he said, I want to get baptized. And so we started talking about it. And, you know, I was excited for him. But see, you and I, we come and get baptized and we don't think anything about it. It doesn't have quite the significance. He now has been baptized into Jesus, which means he renounced his Muslim faith. And listen, when he goes home, when he tells his parents, his life may be required by his father. Now, saints, that's making a decision that's bold. He understands the consequence. We talked about it for a long time. I said, are you sure this is what you want to do? Yes. You know what we're praying now? We're praying now for an open door to minister to his parents. I told him, I said, listen, you need to make sure you bathe this thing in prayer. He is the difference between hell and heaven as a light that Jesus can use to minister to his parents. You have to remain faithful. It can be easy for us to look at our family background and make excuses. My parents are divorced. I can't help being this way. I was abused as a child. My father was an alcoholic and the list can go on and on. Listen to me. I understand those things are major setbacks. I understand that there's consequences to those things, but listen, you can overcome them in Jesus Christ. You need to understand that God loves you and wants to make you the head and not the tail. I don't think there's anyone here who's lived a perfect childhood. Regardless of your family situation, we have to remain faithful to God. Don't run away from God. 
Keep praying. Keep reading the word. Keep praising God. Don't stop doing what you know to do. Don't look at the circumstances and say, well, nothing's happening. Listen to me. God is always moving, even though you can't see it. And it's making a difference. The Bible says in James chapter four and verse number eight, it says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God. Listen, don't be double-minded about your family. Draw near to God and stay in that pocket with God. Stay in with God until you see every one of them come and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy to feel sorry for ourselves sometimes, and it's not so easy to remain faithful to God. But know this, God remains faithful to us. In fact, the Bible says God is faithful even when we're not because he cannot deny himself. So we need to learn to rise above family circumstances and remain faithful to our God. Be faithful. Listen to me. The Bible says to train your child. Everybody say train. Train them, train them, train them. Let me give you number three. Develop strong spiritual leadership in your home. Develop it. There are some things here that you need to develop so that you can have this strong leadership. The first one is integrity. The first characteristic you would need would be integrity. Proverbs 10, 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely. Have integrity with your family. Have integrity with your kids. We need to have integrity if we can ever hope to be a strong spiritual leader. We need to rise above the immorality that Satan may tempt us with. And we need to remain faithful to God so that our integrity can be seen by our children and by our spouse. Have integrity. Be faithful. Know what you believe and don't waver from it. Then you need to have some initiative. Parents... You need to be proactive and take some initiative when it comes to the spiritual development of your family. For all you young mom and dads, you need to take the initiative in Bible reading in your home. Make it happen. Your kids will act like they're bored to death. Make it happen. We know that firsthand, don't we? Jacob would be the best bored face I've ever seen. And if he's watching this morning, which a lot of times he does, it's true. <laughs> Listen, you take the initiative in Bible reading. You take the initiative in prayer in your home. We would pray with our kids. <laughs> I go up, you know, Jacob was, every one of our kids was different. But Jacob, he wouldn't talk to us. We were downstairs at the dinner table. We were in the living room. He wouldn't talk. But if you went up to his room at the end of the night and you wanted to go in there, and, and I always went in there to pray with him, or if I wasn't there, mom would go in to pray. And, but you might as well get ready to sit down because he's going to talk for an hour. Everything that happened over the last couple of days or that day or whatever, whatever came to his mind was going to pour out of his mouth. I'd be times I'd go up here and I'd be like, oh man, I really don't want to hear this. Come on, how many of you parents know what I'm talking about? I'm like, come on, man, are you kidding me? And then he'd just start going at it. And you'd just sit down on the floor. I'd sit on the floor next to his bed. And I'd say, oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Now who was that? Yeah. And I'd be writing that name down, marking the line through his name. He ain't coming over here. And then I'd be like, no, I'm just kidding. 
And then, you know, you'd slip in a question every now and then, and that would lead to another topic, you know. And then after a while, you know, he, he finally, he'd go quiet, and I'd say, okay, let's pray. And we'd pray. I'd say, uh, you want to pray? No. I'd say, okay, well, I'll pray. Listen, it didn't matter whether they prayed or not. Are you hearing me? We do what's right. And then we'd pray. It's always interesting, you know, you say, well, pastor, you know, my kids just seem disinterested. Listen, my kids were just like yours. They were disinterested in a lot of things. But I always find it interesting when they have problems or they don't feel well or whatever. Who do they call to pray? Mom and dad. See, they were listening and you were making an impact. Can you say amen? So your child needs to see you do what's important. And whatever you place is important is what eventually they're going to give way to and perform in. And then you got to get involved. Listen to me. There's a big thing now in parenting that says, hey, it's supposed to be hands off. My kids are supposed to have privacy. There was no privacy in my house except in my room. No privacy. We didn't let them go slamming doors and all that stuff. They slammed doors. Dad was right in behind them, and he was going to slam too. But it wasn't going to be no door. <laughs> Listen, we didn't believe in that. Our kids are not going to hide things from us. You got to ask questions. Parents, Listen, you want to be a faithful parent? Then you got to have some intent to develop a strong spiritual family, which means that you're going to be aware of what's going on in your child's life. You got to ask questions, a multitude of questions. Ask more questions than they want to hear. You got to know what's taking place, understand the world they live in, understand the pressures they're under, understand the things they face. Talk to your children. Ask how their day was. Ask them questions. Let them know you're concerned. They always hated it. I'd always ask them, how's your thought life? They just kind of look at you and I say, oh, it's that bad, huh? No, no. You know, because I mean, I'd ask them. I just said, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the questions I asked them. I could, but some of y'all would turn red. But you just got to ask as a dad, you got to get involved. I got boys. I had to take care of that. First time I took them out and talked sex with them. Help me, Jesus. One of them about fell in the fire. <laughs> they were sitting on a log, man. They thought that. I mean, they just got so tickled over that. Well, I just sat there. They both laughed for 20, 25 minutes. You know how it is when you get uh, nervous about something, right? And so they finally stopped laughing a little bit, you know, and we tried it again. They laughed a little longer. Listen, you just got to outlast them. <laughs> Are you with me? You got to outlast them. That's all there is to it. So get involved in their life, moms, dads. And don't feel bad when you want to check their phones. I checked ours all the time, even though it really wasn't as big till Will started coming up. But we checked them. We'd, we want to know who they were talking to. We'd want to know, you know, more importantly, I want to know what they were looking at. So I checked their computer. You know, back then we had one family computer. Everybody didn't have a, uh, an iPad and everything. But let me tell you something. Don't think your kids aren't hearing at school and getting an education. 
Don't be like that and stick your head in the sand. All right? Let me move on because that ain't going good. Praise the Lord. And we'll go to number four. Let me give you point number four. See, I told you I had to back into this today. These are the things I was thinking about. I wanted to be faithful. Listen, I wasn't good at all this stuff. But some of y'all are young, young parents. You got an opportunity to make a, a better difference. Does it mean that I, I failed? No, I didn't fail as a father. But listen to me. I look back and see there are some things I could have done better. I want to be counted faithful. You think God's not going to ask you how you parented your children? He's trusting you with kids. Yeah. So number four is trust God. Trust God. Perhaps there's perhaps no hurt that hurts more than those that come from our family. Your kids are going to say things that hurt you. Your spouse may say something that hurts. Your mom or dad may something say something that hurts. How many of you know that words have a way of penetrating people's lives? And they can either hold you captive or they can loose you to go on to do great things. Those hurts are hurts that only Jesus can heal. So no matter how messed up your family is, no matter how much hurt they may have caused you, you can give those hurts to Jesus. And you can overcome. I promise he can and will take care of them and deal with them. Listen to this in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Let me ask a question. How many of y'all believe parenting is a labor? If you don't believe it, you had not been a parent. It's work. How do you spell parenting? W-O-R-K. We called Jacob the other day and his little daughter, June, 15 months. And about a month or so, month and a half ago, she started walking. He had his first Saturday at home with just him and her. We called him. What time was it? About six o'clock? Six o'clock. Mom wasn't home yet. And he said, oh, my God. He said, this is unbelievable work. He said, Dad, you're just grinning. I'm like, this is wonderful payback, son. <laughs> wonderful. Enjoy the moment. He said, he said man, she never stops. I said, praise the Lord. I hope she goes for a few more hours. He said, were we like that? I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. Just keep the video rolling, son. This is great. He said, June, come up here and sit with Dad. June, come up. She climbed up there and sat next to him. He said, smile at DDoS. So she smiled. She waved. And then she got back down, took off. And then there he had to go in behind her. It, it was just, it was refreshing. All that labor was worth it. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Notice the word soul. In the Greek, that's the literal word psyche. It's not talking about rest for your spirit. It's talking about your mind, will, and emotions. What is it that gets frazzled in life? Is it your spirit? No. What is it that gets frazzled in life? It's your mind, will, and emotions. And Jesus is saying here, that if you'll take my yoke upon you, in other words, if you'll let me direct your path, 
If you'll trust me to lead your steps, if, if you'll trust me, I will take from you those things that are boat anchors so that your boat can sail and you can get to your destination. That's what he's saying. He's saying, come to me and I'll give you the rest you need in your mind, will, and emotions so that you can go through life the way you're supposed to go without hindrance. And I want you to know something, saints. There's not anything too difficult for God to take away from you. It's just the way it is. So give it to Jesus. Give your family to Jesus. Give your spouse to Jesus, your children. And if you have an unruly dog, give him to Jesus too. It's either that, or, it's either that you got to send him to him and uh, he doesn't take them. So just uh, believe God. Can you say amen? I'm trying to sleep this morning and I, I got up and went downstairs and got on the couch because my back, my back was hurting a little bit. I went downstairs on the couch, covered my head with a pillow. And that dead gum dog come over there and nose that thing off and then wanted to lick me in the face. I'm like, get out of here. And I was like, please. You know, at five in the morning, you don't want your dog licking you in the face. Trust God.